Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast. It's great to have you with us. I'm Father Patrick Wainwright. Today I will be welcoming a guest who will give us some insights on the Eucharistic miracle of Lanciano. Coley is a junior in college studying in Kansas. I've known him for several years and he's had the awesome opportunity to study abroad for a semester in Florence, Italy, actually. So that was great. And uh, he was able to visit the place of the Eucharistic miracle in Lanciano. Hello, Coley. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you, Father? I'm doing great. It's great to talk to you. Great to have you with us. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're up to, and any fun thing you want to tell us? Yeah, so I'm Coley. I'm a junior at Benedictine College in Kansas. Um, I'm studying philosophy and theology. And yeah, I just had the opportunity to study abroad for a semester in Florence. And in my time over there, I was able to visit Lanciano, as you've mentioned, um, make my way to Orvieto, which is the home of wow. another Eucharistic miracle. And then, That's awesome. Yes, it was great. And then also had the opportunity to visit Lourdes and Fatima, which was incredible. Wow, wow. Which, which of those places did you like the most? That's a tough question. Um, <laughs> well, you can Lourdes say two of them or three or right. all of them. No <laughs> or all of them. Lourdes is tough to compete with. Um, Orvieto is an especially beautiful town. So those wow. were definitely two of my favorites. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, and uh, do you have any uh, hobbies that you like to do in your uh, free time? Any sp sports that you play or something? Yeah, I play a lot of pickup basketball and pick up cool. whatever sport is going on. And then I play some guitar, a little bit of piano. Um, but yeah. Wonderful. And uh, what type of music do you prefer to play? I like the blues. Oh, wonderful. Awesome. Yes. I, I played a little or learned, tried to play a little bit of the harmonica at one point and uh, yes. uh, the blues harmonica. But uh, yeah, I'm not very good at it, and it's difficult <laughs> to bend the notes. But I mean, I I got you know a little bit. At least I was able to play something. Anyway, yes. so so Coley, again, it's great to have you with us. And well, as you know, we are in Advent, and uh, so um, that's why for all those who are listening, Advent is a preparation for Christmas. That is why if you go to uh, Mass on Sunday, which you should, um, or during the week, typically the priest will be using purple vestments and that means that it's a time of um, a sort of time of penance preparation you know uh, austerity for the uh, greater prayer if you want for the coming of our lord and uh the the point is that the the important point the the important aspect of advent is the preparation right the expectation of the coming of the messiah of jesus christ on the feast of christmas and the nativity of our lord so everything is centered around Christ. So what I would like to highlight uh, briefly is that Advent is a time of preparation for that feast of uh, Christmas, and Christ wants to come to our hearts. He wants to come to our hearts. He wants to uh, be born spiritually and sacramentally in our hearts, uh, and he will give us graces. That uh, is a, is a, Christmas is a time of special graces. So there's a shower of graces that are sent down to earth to, to everyone, anyone who is prepared to receive them. So the better prepared we are, the better it will be spiritually. And, and sometimes there's great conversions and great gifts uh, for our spiritual life and of devotion, you know, for, for the time of Christmas. So uh, that's why also it's a time of hope, uh, even uh, in spite of the fact that there's a lot of 
difficulties in the world and um, calamities and the pandemic and so many other things that are uh, making us feel like uh, we're struggling in many ways. Uh, Christmas and because of Christmas Advent, these are times of hope in which we're reminded that Christ is comes to this world to save us, right? First of all, save us from our sins and also give us his, his grace, that Christ is the Word of God made flesh who will be born to save us from our sins and from eternal death. This is why we want to spend some more time in, in during the time of Advent, uh, more time in prayer, if possible, to visit Jesus in the tabernacle, maybe go to confession. That would be a must, you know, to try to go to confession during Advent, and to reflect, especially in the amazing gift of having God come to us as our Savior and our Redeemer. So uh, now you, Coley, uh, as everyone else, is also uh, living out this time of Advent. I know you try to do it uh, fervently and devoutly. So why don't you tell us what is Advent? Why, how do you, what's your take on Advent? How do you find it important? And what do you suggest? You know, just as a college student, you know, you have your time of uh, papers and finals and uh, so many other things going on. What would you suggest to other college students uh, to do during Advent? Right. Well, yes, Advent is very important. This Advent, I am blessed to be able to spend the whole whole of Advent at home with my family. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, my my semester abroad is a shortened semester, so I've been Ah, able so to be that home. is over now and you're yes. you're back at home and now yes. you spend until and when when do you go back to school? Not until the second week of January. Oh, that is awesome. So you yes. you 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 get to stay at home. Well, right. much better than. <laughs> oh, oh, well, so yeah, what do what would you suggest to do? Right. So with with all this time at home, it's like very much already a time of waiting. Even with Advent removed from the picture, it's a sort of weird in-between bef- between my semester abroad and going back to school. And so entering, that, entering into that spiritually as well and waiting, hopefully, with hope for the coming right. of Christ. And yeah, making sure to commit to a daily time of prayer, daily mass, um, and regular confession has definitely helped me in these, in this week or a few weeks it's been home, um, help me prepare for that coming. Right. Very good. Well, one thing I would add, as you were talking, I was thinking of, because I hear a lot of confessions, I offer a spiritual direction, uh, to college students. And, uh, many times there's a lot of difficulties, right? Uh, not only studies, that's one aspect, you know, the tension and anxiety for about studies, but also uh, socially, you know, friends, difficulties with friends, with uh, dates, um, you know, with uh, family members, with so many at uh, work, a possibility of future uh, internships, so many things that are heavy on our hearts as college students. And I think that uh, the time of Advent and the time of Christmas, are an excellent moment to remember that you are not alone, right? That Jesus is with you and that he wants to be with you. He wants to be next to you, close to you. And in that sense, to, be, uh, to allow ourselves to experience the closeness of Christ. I think that is very important. Now, uh, skipping a little bit or jumping to our, our main topic of today um, and related to Advent and Christmas, um, in the last episode, I spoke about how our Lord, when he ascended into heaven, 
um, he didn't leave us alone. He truly stayed with us, substantially, really, truly present in the most blessed sacrament. So now just for your, for your information, I, I don't know if I told you this, Coley, but I, I know you believe in the real presence, and I'm, I'm happy you do. But uh, there was a, a study recently, um, actually about two weeks ago it came out, and it said that, uh, it's a survey, right? And it said that 41% of American Catholics, only 41%, believe that the Eucharist is truly the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So that means that around 59% of the Catholic population do not believe that Jesus is real, really present in the Blessed Sacrament. And that, I think it's very sad, because many people could benefit so much from having the, the company of our Lord to know that Jesus is there for you, right? And uh, many don't. So I think it's essential for us to renew the, the faith in, in others, right? To help others come to the faith in Jesus Christ, truly, substantially present in the Blessed Sacrament, that it's not just a symbol, right? So that's, if you want the, I would say, the um, Christian or Protestant perception that Jesus is somewhat present, like a symbol, that we receive many graces when we receive this bre- uh, blessed bread, they call it, or whatever they call it, the body of Christ in a sense, right? But truly speaking, Jesus is there. There's no longer bread and wine. There's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. So to put it briefly, it is a clear dogma of our faith that when a validly ordained priest consecrates the bread and the wine during the Holy Mass, after that consecration, there is no longer bread and wine, but the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ under the appearance of bread and wine. So this is what we call the transubstantiation, right? So the changing of the substance, transubstantiation, which is truly a miracle, right? So that, that is, while the appearance or the accidents of bread and wine remain by the power of God, the entire substance or being of Jesus Christ takes the place of the entire substance of the bread and the wine. So there's no longer bread, there's no longer wine, that is Jesus Christ, what we receive in communion. So now we need to do an act of faith in order to believe this, because our senses tell us that there is still bread and still wine, but in reality, that thing is now Jesus Christ himself. So now God, in his goodness, sometimes allows the reality of his body and his blood to be, in some way, visible or evident to us, right? So this is what we... so. That's what we call a Eucharistic miracle. These have happened in different times in the history of the church, and they are some different ways in which the flesh or the blood or some other aspect of Jesus Christ makes itself visible in the Eucharistic and in, 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 the, in the Eucharist, right in the uh, Holy Eucharist. So one of those examples or one of those Eucharistic miracles is the miracle of Lanciano. And the purpose of these miracles is to help us believe the truth of the real presence of Jesus Christ, right? So, um, one of these miracles happened in a city in the 8th century, 8th century, in, in Lanciano, Italy. And this city is directly east of Rome, 
on the opposite side of the Italian peninsula on the Adriatic Sea. So now that's one of the places that you, Coley, had the grace to visit. I had the grace to visit a long time ago. So I, I really loved it, loved to be there. But I don't want to say it all. I want you to share a little bit your experience, what you saw, what you were expecting, you know, and why don't you tell us a little bit about how it happened, what there is there, what you can see, and what the scientists have said about it after studying the miracle. Right. So, as you mentioned, in the 8th century, um, in Lanciano, there was a monk who was doubting the true presence of the Eucharist. And, and of, he was a priest, right? He was. Yes, yes. Okay. He was a priest monk. Um, the, I think his contemporaries described him as versed in the sciences of the world, but ignorant in that of God. Um, so he was a very, he was a very bright man. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so he was plagued by doubts about the transubstantiation. It was just really struggling with that dogma. Um, and so when he was celebrating mass in Lanciano, as he said the words of consecration, the host miraculously changed into the flesh of Christ in a, in a visible and tangible manner. And the same thing wow. with the wine into the blood. Um, so wow. the was amazed naturally, um, right. as he had just been doubting. So he's, he's a mess. He's crying. He's overjoyed. Um, and, and believes because he sees. Um, so then after it happens, it's taken to the bishop who, run some tests on it or hires people to run some tests on it and it's confirmed um and then one of the reasons why this eucharistic miracle is so important is that it's the first but also it's the most well researched so it's been researched multiple times throughout history in the right. when it happened in the 1800s i think again in the 1200s then in the 1500s and then a few times in the late 1900s. So right, and it's it's I think the most visible one, right? It's the most right. amazing event, let's say, because there's other Eucharistic miracles where you have maybe blood that flowed from the host and drenched the the um, corporal and the tablecloth and the altar cloth, but this one you see the flesh and you see the blood clots, and they're still there since the eighth century. You know, it's pretty amazing. Right, right. So, yeah, they, they're actually displayed in basically a monstrance. Um, mm -hmm. So, when you go to see the Eucharistic miracle, it's as if you're simply going to adoration, except you can visibly see the flesh, which is wow. remarkable. Um, and, and, and there's the a blood, little crystal, right, there's a crystal cup with the blood clots, right? Yes, yes. And the blood has coagulated over time and it's a yellowish color. So you don't initially recognize it as blood, but scientifically that's what wow. blood over time turns into. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, in, in 1970, Pope Paul VI hired a couple renowned scientists, professors, and head physicians of large hospitals completely separate and they performed a, a whole bunch of tests on the the species and they came back with the exact same findings that 
the flesh is the myocardium, which is the wall of the heart, the inner interior wow. part of the heart. And the blood is human blood with the type AB, which is the same blood found on the Shroud of Turin. Um, it has amazing. All the, yes, amazing. It has so that all makes the minerals. A, gives a confirm, it makes you, gives you a confirmation of the Shroud of Turin as the Shroud of Christ, in a sense, right? So, of course, right, some people right. still doubt it, but uh, it's pretty impressive. Right. They, they work together. It's, it's remarkable. The blood also, I think there are five balls of coagulated blood, and if right. you weigh them on a scale, one weighs the same as the other four. Wow. The scale evens out. It's remarkable. Um, and so both, both professors, both scientists came to the same conclusion that this is real blood and real flesh. And human is, flesh, human blood. Yes, human blood and human flesh, which is church teaching. And another miracle of the miracle is how they've been preserved from the 8th right. century. So now they're over 12 centuries old. Which incredible. Is incredible. It's yeah, unheard of in the scientific world um, that, that this flesh and this blood should not have deteriorated naturally. Right. So in a sense, um, in that miracle, not only did the bread and the wine turn into flesh and blood, but it's the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. Right? right. Because there we have the whole divinity and humanity because it's a Eucharist. And therefore, that flesh is the flesh of Christ, that blood is the blood of Christ, and it's God. Right? Right. Right. Wonderful. And what did you experience when you went there? What what did you like most of visited, visiting there and how how was your visit? Yeah, my visit was awesome. Um so Lanchana was I I think definitely the least touristy place I went. Not that I went to all touristy places, but that right. it's not a touristy place at all. It's a very like lower middle class town. There's really no other reason to visit it. It's on the Adriatic, but it's just not a pretty town area um, right 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 and so that that definitely stuck out at first and also while i was there it was miserable weather it was very rainy um which fit the town very well mm -hmm. um and so we had we only had one evening there um the next day we were getting up early and going to orvieto so we got there i think around three and we checked into our airbnb which was difficult. The guy spoke no English, um, wow. as most people in Lanchano do. Um, and yeah, we basically went straight to the church and stayed there till dinner. Um, we didn't oh, have much of long? an agenda. Uh, for about three, three and a half hours, Wonderful. we were in the church. So you were three hours with Jesus? Yes, yes. <laughs> so we, awesome. were able, we were able to spend the first probably hour and a half two hours before the eucharistic miracle just wondering awesome. at it soaking it in reading through john six which is one of the most like solidifying moments in my faith i think i've had um and then what is what is john six about tell john us six. for all those who don't know <laughs> yes john six is the bread of life discourse um it's jesus's most thorough teaching on the eucharist and it's it's just very explicit, he says. Right, I think my... it's just John 6, verse 52, where he says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood 
will remain in me and I in you, and I will raise you up on the last day. Something like that. I, I, I'm, right. I'm quoting by heart. So, <laughs> that, and, then, and then how, uh, yeah, there's more about it. But that's the most, John 6, 51, 52, 53 are the most repetitive moments where Jesus repeats time and again that he will give us his flesh and his blood to, to eat and drink. Right. And he, he loses a lot of, of the crowd on this teaching because they're like, this is wow. a hard teaching. How can we accept this? And that's, I think, when he doubles down and says, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have eternal life, which is, makes it so clear. And when you're staring right. at a literal piece of flesh from the heart of Jesus, it's, it's remarkable. Um, so that after, that, after that period of time, a crowd came into the church. Um, I think it was a guided tour um, from a pilgrimage. So my friend and I went to the Adoration Chapel, which is the same thing um, as what we were just looking at, but just under a different species. And so we spent- It's on the back, right? Yes. You yeah. have to go to the back. So we spent probably 30, 45 minutes um, before the Eucharist reposed in the tabernacle, which that too was remarkable because realizing that it is the same thing that we were just looking at in the main church, but just in the side and under the appearance of bread rather than in, right. the, in the visibility of flesh. Um, and then awesome. we were actually able to go to Mass. Um, they had Mass at six, which was a huge, huge grace. Um, it was it was really beautiful. They had it was a daily mass. I think it was a Thursday, and it was packed. And the priest was very devout, as he should be, but especially so. And it would be hard not to be with the the visible flesh of Christ behind you. Right, um, so right. he was. It was very clear in in his words. Um, in the words of consecration, it was all in Italian, so I didn't understand mm-hmm. what he preached about or anything. But it was clear that he he truly believed that he was holding the flesh of Christ. Wonderful. Well, uh, so Coley, uh, what would you say? Imagine that you have three hundred college students in front of you, <laughs> and you would like to say one thing about the Eucharistic devotion, devotion to the Holy Eucharist, that you want to encourage people. In some way, what would you what would you tell your college friends uh, about the Eucharist? Oh man, um, one of my friends once told me, "God has never been one to give Himself partly, so why would He do that in the Eucharist? Um, he would give Himself fully, as He has right. throughout history, um, and also just again John six and." Jesus like doubling down on his teaching when people leave because it's too hard for them to accept. He says, no, this is, I'm saying what I mean to say, this is my body and this is my blood. Right, right, right. Awesome. Well, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Coley, for sharing all that. Uh, That that is an amazing miracle, I think. Um, And again, that's one of, I mean, there are many miracles, but Eucharistic miracles, that's one of the most amazing ones, if not the most amazing one. Uh, right. So anyone who's listening, if you ever go to Italy, try to go to Lanciano. Um, and it's an amazing gift also to be able to be there in front of the true flesh and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So 
if there's an important takeaway from all this, I, I think we could say that we, we truly have the real substantial presence of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, in the Tabernacle, in the Eucharist, even if we don't see his actual flesh and blood as we do in Lanciano, right? Uh, so we have to learn to adore Jesus in the Most Blessed Sacrament and receive him. Let us try to receive him uh, in communion with a sense of adoration, right? When we receive communion, not like it's a piece of bread because it's not a piece of bread. It's, it's the flesh and the blood of Christ, right? So a spirit of adoration, always, always making sure that we're in the state of grace and always spending some time in prayer after communion, right? So not, not to run away from, from the Mass immediately. Um, so, and also, let us visit him in the tabernacle, right? After Mass or before Mass, he is there in the tabernacle waiting for us to visit him and to shower his graces over us. So, you don't need to go to Lanciano, Italy, to visit him. You know, you have him present in your local church, in the tabernacle, in the closest Catholic church. So, anyway, uh, thank you, Coley, again for all this. Thank you, Father. I, I hope you, I'm sure, this has uh, increased your devotion to the Holy Eucharist a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And to everyone who's listening, thank you very much for spending time with us. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode, the awesome uh, witness of Coley. And if you have any questions about this or any other op- episode, please don't hesitate to send me an email at info at fourcollegecatholics.org. If you have a question for Coley, send it to me as well, and I'll forward it to him. Um, I'd love to hear from you, and if you can leave a review in Apple Podcasts to encourage others to listen as well, please do so. May, may God bless you, and uh, have a great Advent, um, and we'll see you next time. 